Welcome to Age of Minority, a podcast for you about the gospel. I'm your host, Jaquel, here with my co-host, pastor, and dad, Sean. Hey, Jaquel, how you doing? Hey, dad, doing pretty good, you What's know? going on? You got that fancy hair you going on yes. today. No, no mum bun. Yes, my, uh, my favorite yeah. hairstylist gets a, a second shout-out. She was excited. She got a first shout-out oh. a couple episodes ago. I don't even Yes, remember. but she finally, I, I think I talked about how excited I was for getting my hair done. Yeah. And now, the thing has been done. It's like, well, you have a baby, and like, at the latest three weeks or well, well uh, you know ne- you never know you never know yeah, i'm doing uh yeah doing two doing and a half weeks, weeks. Doing two and yeah. a half weeks so yeah. you gotta get your hair done of course like you gotta get it done I, I gotta say i mean you know i mean i'm a dude and all but still <laughs> if i'm like getting ready to have a baby i'm not thinking like man i better get my hair done because like you know in the midst of it all it's like you're not gonna care what well, see, here's the thing. You you are a dude talking dad. Yeah, you don't, you don't I'm get a dude. these kind of things. I am a dude. But, you know, you're thinking about going into this new season of life with a newborn. It's, you know, it's going to, we're going to have two under two. It's going to be a mm. crazy season. I know that I'm not going to be getting my hair done for quite a long time. Mm. It's like, you know what? Let's just get this in now. Get my hair cut. Then I don't have to think about it again. And the last time I got my hair cut, well, if you don't count the time, my husband cut it for yeah, me right. with a pair of kitchen scissors. That was scary. Um, um, I, I was scared for you. <laughs> it was like 15 months ago oh, that, no, that I got scary. my hair cut. Oh, I, I still remember. Time. I have nightmares about it still. <laughs> no. Everybody no, was it. so... The greatest compliment was that everybody was so shocked that Joe cut my hair because yeah. it act, it looked okay. It was shocking. Well, yeah. it was also very short. I, I have to tell you a funny story. I was watching um, Jerry Seinfeld interview Allie Wentworth. Our listeners probably don't know who I, either of those people are. I don't are. know who Allie Wentworth but is. But anyway, I don't know much about her either. But anyway, she was talking about how she was giving birth to one of her kids. And, you know, her husband was in the in the room. And, and she was talking about, like, how I, – I forget the words she used. But, I mean, the idea is that it's a pretty harrowing affair. It is indeed, it, yes. Let, let's just say birth is not usually pretty. You know, it's wh- not. Whatever you have seen on TV, which always cracks mom and I up, it's like it, it's a 30-second affair. And, yeah. oh, they're holding this nice <laughs> little baby. It's not like that. You yes. know, it, 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 it's a pretty intense situation. And yep. so you're not worrying about your hair or anything. Anyway, she, she had just given birth. And her and her husband were in the, in the room and her mother came to visit her yeah. and her mother came in and, and the mother sees the baby, you know, sees her and whatever. And, and the mother says to her, uh, you know, honey, you know, you might, I, I can't remember her husband's, oh, her husband's name is, uh, Jer- Jerry, uh, no, oh, it's not Jerry, not it's George, sorry, it's George, oh, okay. it's George. Um, so she says, uh, honey, you know, you, you might put on some lip gloss for George. <laughs> Oh my god. Is that the most funniest oh, thing boy. for a mother to say? Yeah. That, you know, after you've just given birth, you, you know, your husband's in the room. That's, you should put them lip that's the priority right there. That I mean, that's definitely on on my top list. <laughs> but but, sure. but getting your hair done was on on your list. Well, l- look, it's just like nice <laughs> That's what to, made me think of that. But it, we're not talking about getting my hair done right after birth. Right. It's, you know, it's it's more just like a thing. Maybe it's a nesting urge. Okay. I don't know, to just like feel more prepared organized got my hair cut so, so now that's under control you're not concerned about having a nice hairdo when you give birth that's not the concern no that's not the concern okay it's just more i'm gonna give birth and so i better have my hair looking nice it's more i'm gonna have a child okay it really is completely unrelated to birth it's more about the season of life i'm going into oh okay. two under two i hear it's busy probably won't have a okay. lot of time to get my hair cut enough enough of, enough of me razzing you Sheesh, about that okay I, yeah, so uh, otherwise how's life treating you you know pretty good i yeah. am 
I'm ready to have a baby. Yeah. But you're doing uh, pretty good. You're re- you're, yeah, you're ready to be uh, on the other side. I am. Yes, it's true. You ready to not move on over get to up the other side three times a night to go pee. That'll, yes. that'll be nice. Yeah, that would be nice if that was ever going to be the case again for me. But hey, I'm old, so yes. that's just the way it works. I was quite impressed with myself because I only had to get up once. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, I got up early because I wasn't going to last much longer. So anyway, it's, it's, I, I relate it, to you right now, Bubs. I really it's do. It's the things that happen when you get pregnant or you're old. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Hey. But I, that is leaving for me soon. As soon as I have that baby, I, yes. get, a, I get a respite from that. Yes, yes. Yeah, anyways. I get no respite, but... Yep, anyway. and you, uh, you and mom have a big babysitting. Oh, big babysitting! Babysitting event yeah. coming up. Looking Lucy's forward. Lucy's first overnight. First night. Yeah, wow. anywhere mm. that's not with with me and Joe. So. I, f- I feel very uh, privileged, and also very um, unstressed. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's yes. like super stressed. Got to make sure I have this right, the right milk. I got to make sure I have this. Got to make yeah. sure I'm it'll not. be fine. We have a place to put her when she sleeps, I'm and we have worried. food in the fridge. It'll all be good. Yeah, I keep. I I'm <laughs> obviously not worried, and I know she'll do great. And I am looking forward to. We're just gonna go away for the night. Yeah. Um. But I keep occasionally having these like twinges of like Twinge. oh. She is. I've uh, never been away from yeah. her for for a night. It's, it's going to be harder on you. Than exactly. On her. Exactly. Yeah. But as we have made clear, I'm going to have a baby very soon, and so whether we like yeah. it or not, I am going to be away from her for a yeah. night. So this is a little bit of a trial run. Yeah. Um. But a night or two, maybe even. Who knows? Yeah, I guess usually they're. They could, it, I guess it depends what time. Well, that what time you go in, and I mean with the way things are with our hospital and the world yeah. they do want you out of there as fast as possible but it kind of depends how your birth goes yeah. <laughs> um and yeah there are other factors but hopefully man with lucy we were only in there a night we were barely in there 24 hours so yeah. hopefully it'll be similar for this baby wow exciting times it's very exciting i'm looking very forward to meeting my new grandbaby i know that's the other thing i keep having like <laughs> realizations where it's like wait the I'm getting a baby <laughs> at the end of this. Yeah. Like, just like, and this pregnancy, as you know, there have just been challenges and stuff. And so it's felt long. And so many parts of it is like, I'm just, you know, thinking about being pregnant and then thinking about giving birth. And you yeah. forget that it's like, wait, this is all for the the child that's coming. You had a baby to take home at the yeah. end of it. Yeah. Again, you just reminded me again of a, uh, I was, th- this was a something else. I was on Jerry Seinfeld kick, I guess. Wow. But I was watching a, a Jerry Seinfeld, uh, it was a comedy special or something like that. And he, now, this is not completely accurate. And oh. you, you can correct it, but you can still appreciate the humor. Okay. So With I'll, I'll tell you what he said, and then you correct what the issue was. Sounds good. But then also appreciate the humor of it. He said, uh, somebody was telling him, um, you know, birth, that's a, that's a, that's a serious thing, giving birth. And he says, yeah, when two people walk into a room and three people walk out, <laughs> that is serious business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you That's see, true. right. I see. There were actually three people who went in, but only exactly. two walked in. Yes. But still, I, I thought that was pretty good. I know. I mean, that is, ugh, gosh, that's something else that's just like so crazy when your kid is born. It's like, yeah. wait, this human was living inside yeah. me. And yeah. like when you see ultrasounds and stuff, it's like, <laughs> yeah. there is a baby, like yeah. a baby human yeah. living inside me like an alien. An entirely different person from you. It is so crazy. Yes, which is why the pro-choice argument is flat garbage. Yes, it's not your body because inside Because you do you. not get the choice to kill another person. Anyway, we're, that's that's not the topic of today. We digress. That's not the topic we today. We really do digress. Today we have a, 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 a topic. 
it's it's a topic. <laughs> it is. It's as, I, I'm trying to think. It's as, it's is it as serious as pro-choice? Is it more serious? Is it equal in serious? What's the seriousness level of this? topic i mean i don't i can't get into contrast at the moment but but i can say it is very serious because it relates Mm. to the person's soul Mm, mm. i you know i was thinking of maybe not talking on this topic today but then i decided no this topic is irresistible i I mean we we have to talk about this (laughs) are you so drawn to it dad (laughs) that there's nothing more you can do okay so we're on the eye of tulip and i have to say we have have to say i have to say this say it then oh i have to (laughs) And it will be said. So I, I was, uh, now this is not Seinfeld, this is Piper. Okay. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about Tulip and yes. we've talked about the fact that we don't know when this, when Where this came acronym out. came and, from. And does anybody yeah. know? And I happen to be reading and John Piper gave us the definitive word. Well, let's hear it. He says, somewhere along the way, nobody knows for sure when or how, the five points came to be summarized in English under the acronym TULIP. Well, you know what? That makes me feel a lot better because we were, you know, we were questioning our Calvinist status, but nobody even knows no. where this came from. Well, see, so I had two thoughts when I read this. Number one, I'm not sure if that's an accurate statement. I think somebody <laughs> knows. Well, like, I guess so, that's somebody true. knows the first person that came up with it must know. Now, yes, I'm sure they're, they're likely long dead. dead. Yes. But still, somewhat. Maybe if he had said today nobody knows for sure <laughs> yes but but true. john john piper has given us the definitive word nobody knows go. where tulip came from so but here we are anyway i actually he, he actually had some other things to say about acronyms that we have already commented on like the one person who likes to use roses oh yes which, <laughs> that's I, i'm making the throw up sound um yes. and and then he was talking about this one was funny too because i didn't remember this but i think it was boyce was it no no no, it was, I don't remember who it was, but somebody else used gospel, but, oh. but because there was one too many letters, they like, uh, uh used the G twice or so. I can't remember. It was so bad. That's I was funny. like, really? You know, maybe we should just forget, forget about the acronyms. And that's what James Boyce does. Oh, okay. he just, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was commenting to you. I was, I was reading R.C. Sproul going through the five points of Tulip yeah. and basically for every point, he's like, I prefer this term yeah. instead. It's like, maybe just forget about an acronym, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and what's interesting also, as far as acronyms, is 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 Piper doesn't have a problem with the acronym, but he likes to go through it in a different order. Oh, he interesting. He puts them in a different order. And I don't know if I agree with his reasoning, but we won't get into that right now. We will get into our topic. Exactly. Jour, which is irresistible grace. Yes. And we, I mean, we have found Tulip just like a useful way to go through the five points of Calvinism. So I, I think it's helpful to do the, the quick 10 second review of what we've talked about so far. T- total depravity Mm. you unconditional election l limited atonement and i today brings us to irresistible grace yeah absolutely and and irresistible grace just focuses on the fact that when god determines to actually convert a person see see this is this is what i like about irresistible grace because you know we talked about things like total depravity which addresses you know really what began in the garden and we talk about unconditional election which is something that happened you know before time began Mm -hmm. we talk about limited atonement and that focuses on what happened on the cross and now we're talking about actually what happens right at the moment of conversion. Exactly. You, see, you have the progression I, yeah, of that's salvation. Why I, that's why I like the order. Yeah, I like I the order of Tulip. So so anyway, now, now we get to what actually happens at the moment of conversion and, and how is the spirit involved and, and, and basically irresistible grace, which is a great term um, if we understand what it doesn't mean, which we'll comment on as we go. Right. But, but irresistible grace focuses on the fact that when God determines to pour his grace out upon a person in a salvific way that person will be 
converted. Yes. Um, so, so uh, let, let's start with some quotes. Now, I, I, uh, I did some work on your notes. I know you started the notes first, and then it's I did true. some work on them. I think that first quote is by Steve Lawson. Yes, I okay. believe so. Okay. I, I, I'm, is there one on in, in Perseverance? Is there Steve Lawson? No, so so this one is is by Steve Lawson. Yes. So the point is, I attributed my quotes correctly in our notes, and but I was you took I added some notes my of myself and on of my own. Yes. No, I'm quite confident this first quote is from Steve Lawson. Okay. So so let, let's start off with this. Okay. So he says, "Irresistible grace is the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, who convicts, calls, draws, and regenerates elect sinners. This work unfolds." failingly results in the faith of all those chosen. The Holy Spirit grants repentance and faith to these elect sinners and ensures their conversion. And and that, that, that really, that really hits it. He ensures conversion, but I like the, the, this work unfailingly results in the faith of all those chosen. Like, like in others, when God determines to save a person, that person is going to be saved because not only has he chosen them, but he has, uh, he is the one who is going to actually do the saving. Exactly. That is what's behind irresistible and some people yeah. quibble with that word right. because they think it it makes us sound like robots right. but no the irresistible part is just is just showing how effectual i mean as we'll get to yeah. effectual god's calling is effectual his grace is to change sinners yeah no, uh, something else i like about lawson's quote there is that he emphasizes uh, who is the primary actor uh, within the Trinity when it concerns irresistible grace, namely the Holy Spirit. Right. And, and the reason I bring this up is is because, you know, Chicelping Reformed Baptists, uh, surely, now you probably haven't experienced this as much as I have, but throughout my life, I have been accused of uh, being a Baptist and, and then eventually a Reformed Baptist of someone who doesn't emphasize the work of the Spirit enough, mm. by which they mean, you know, we don't talk about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit that are related to continuationism. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'm my response is always... No, 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 no. You're you're wrong. We focus on the work of the Spirit a lot. It's just we focus on the work of the Spirit in relation to the things to do with irresistible grace, like when it concerns regeneration and indwelling and conviction of sin and all of these things. So I I do think that when our Pentecostal friends, and they are our friends, see a previous episode we've recorded, (laughs) um, when they do make that accusation, it's like, no, 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 that's not entirely accurate. We do focus on the the work of the Spirit, and and that's seen in the fact that we love the doctrines of grace. Exactly. We talk about them a good deal well and this again is another angle that shows us the trinitarian nature of salvation where you know we we talk about how the father elects Mm -hmm. his people the son dies to redeem his people and the spirit Mm -hmm. is the one who who changes the hearts and does that work yeah they're all working together in concert right it's this perfect perfect work uh so yeah that's good now now i i do appreciate the in your work on the notes for this episode that you did pull Calvin quotes. I did. I had to. Um, yeah, I mean, we have to. You have to. Um, because, I mean, you know, Calvin did give us the name of this doctrinal system that we hold to. Um, the scripture, of course, gave us the doctrines. <laughs> But, there but, we go. But John gave us, that's gave what us Spurgeon the, would say. the name, right? So, and th- that's what we would say. <laughs> um, but it's a pretty long quote. Maybe we should uh, hack it, hack it, hack it, and slash it. Maybe, go maybe for it. you just you just mentioned the inner call, the mm-hmm. effectual call. Yeah. Well, maybe we can start there where it says this inner call. Okay. Yeah, go for it. All right. Calvin says this inner call uh, is a pledge of salvation that cannot deceive us. This inner call from God. But lest the flesh boast that it did at least answer him when he called and freely offered himself, 
He declares that it has no ears to hear, mm. no eyes to see, unless he makes them. Now, we probably should should address something. Maybe you can uh, distinguish for our listeners between... We've referred to, like, the irresistible call. Mm-hmm. Um, we've referred to the... Uh, John called... Uh, John. We're on a first name basis. <laughs> John. Um, John Calvin refers <laughs> to Calvin. it as the, Calvin. as the inner call. Um, so maybe you can distinguish between the, the effectual call and what, what is called the general call, because that's something, it, it is a distinction that must be made. Right. And this might, people might even be wondering about this because sometimes sure. uh, scripture, it, yeah. scripture talks about both of these calls. Right. Um, and so that's why it's so important that we understand that there's two calls. So the general call is just God's call to all, all sinners right. everywhere to repent. It's a proclamation of the gospel. It goes out, yes, right. to right. all people. Um, and, and this is something God has given given humans responsibility to respond to this call. Then we have the effectual call, which is what goes back to election. And this is the call to sinners that will be regenerated. And this is an irresistible call. So um, Stephen Lawson has another good quote uh, about this. He says, the irresistible call is distinct from the general call of the gospel. The former is extended Mm. only to the elect and cannot be resisted. The latter is extended to all who hear the gospel and is resisted apart from the Spirit's effect. Yeah, so I mean, it's important to make that distinction because, of course, if the general call, which is the call uh, uh, of of the gospel to all to be saved, was effectual, then anyone you shared the gospel with would, would be saved. saved yeah. Right. Um, so it is very important to distinguish those two two things: the the general call versus the effectual call. And that that effectual call is is exactly. I mean, like I think that's the best way to refer to it is is that effectual call. I, irresistible focuses. I, I mean, I think irresistible grace is kind of more of a general term. It covers mm-hmm. all of it. But but when it comes to that effectual call, when when God calls a person that call is not going to be resisted because he's going to ensure that what needs to take place for them to be saved does take place. And and we'll get to that when we get to the, get to the, um, uh, move on in this, in this episode. Yep, exactly. So, so I guess we, um, we probably should consider the Arminian perspective. I think we certainly should, because um, this is, this is another, another one of those points like limited atonement that our Arminian brothers and sisters disagree quite strongly. So, on. so we'll, we'll go to, uh, we'll go to our Arminian friends and then, and then we'll cover some scriptures and then maybe we'll finish off with, uh, with, uh, the Prince of Preachers. Okay. How about yes, that? Yes. Okay. Cause I know you've got a, you got a quote from, oh, uh, Spurgeon. That's a good one. So, so let's, um, let's, uh, let's get on to, um, an Arminian perspective on irresistible grace. And, uh, We've got Roger Olson again here from his book Against Calvinism. Yeah. And he says, uh, semi-Pelagianism is the heresy that says the initiative in salvation is ours, the human persons, and not God's. So the distinction that there was this debate between uh, Pelagius and, and Augustine. And Pelagianism basically teaches that man is born inherently good, mm-hmm. and 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 basically all of the decision in salvation, all of the initiative in salvation is ours. It's it's everything to do with us. Um, so so what uh, Olson wants to do is say no, I'm we're not Pelagian and we're not semi-Pelagian even. We're we're not slightly Pelagian. Um, he says Arminianism has always insisted, and, and uh, I, should, I should break here just, just briefly. I want to make a note about something. Um, Calvinists always want to distinguish themselves from hyper-Calvinists, mm. which I hate the term yeah. because, uh, first of all, a hyper-Calvinist isn't 
any kind of a Calvinist. But a hyper-Calvinist is somebody who would say, God saves everybody, he chooses, and so we don't need to preach the gospel, and he's going to do whatever he's going to do. Mm. It, it's almost a deterministic view. But then on the flip side, Arminians always want to protect themselves from being called semi-Pelagians. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they want to keep the focus on God. The problem is is what they say when it comes to, for example, the doctrine of, of uh, irresistible grace. So uh, Olson goes on to say, Arminianism has always ins insisted that the initiative in salvation is God's. Now that's good, mm -hmm. right? Like we're happy to hear Arminians say that. Our contention is just that you're being inconsistent yeah. because then he goes on, he refers to prevenient grace. He says it's enabling, but resistible. So prevenient grace is this idea that God gives all humankind grace. I think we found that in that last book we read by Olson. Yeah. That it, it, it was kind of hard. Uh, it seems it, it was hard to, to discern because it seems like some Arminians say that he only gives prevenient grace to those who are saved. And some say that he gives prevenient to grace to everybody. Mm -hmm. But but the point is, is that prevenient grace then enables you to choose. Right. So they would say that it's all of God because he if he didn't give you prevenient grace, then you couldn't choose to, to follow him so so they say it's enabling but it is resistible mm. so uh, Olson goes on to say God limits himself out of love so that his initiating enabling grace is resistible now just just finish the quote because okay. yeah okay he says it leaves uh, it is powerful and persuasive but not compelling in the determinative sense it leaves the sinner a person not an object so so i think my biggest problem with that quote is i struggle to understand what that means like how is how is god's grace persuasive yeah but not not compelling yes yeah aren't those the same thing yeah or like what does it mean does that it he's persuasive compel? but that he you know doesn't doesn't effectually just right. like do the changing well well this this second quote it, it gives i mean i think this summarizes it yeah he says god's grace is the effectual call of salvation but the human person's faith as the response to prevenient grace is the instrumental cause of salvation mm -hmm. i've got a huge problem with that mm -hmm. because it, it it it's man's response which is the instrumental cause yeah so, I mean, I have to bring up the illustration, and I apologize to you, Jaquel, because you've heard it a gagillion of a billion times. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really do think that this illustration is helpful. So, so an Arminian, I think, would describe, or I've heard an Arminian describe uh, uh, regeneration or salvation like this. Uh, a man is in a pit, and, and he can't get out. It's too too deep. He can't get out. And so uh, God comes along and he throws a rope down. Mm -hmm. there, there's the prevenient grace. Right. He pulls a rope down and then man instrumentally takes that rope and God pulls him out. Mm -hmm. And the Arminian says, see, I mean, that was all of God. He, he was the one who threw the rope. He pulled me up. A, a Calvinist comes along and says, no, 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 no. I need to tweak this illustration just a touch. <laughs> the man in the pit is dead. Yeah. And dead people can't do anything. They can't grab ropes. And so God actually comes down into the pit and he breathes life into the human being and he, right. out he comes. Yeah. So, so, so and I, I mean, I know you've heard it a thousand times, but I think it's a really helpful illustration. And, too, and, yeah. and, and I mean, I would love to hear an Armenian respond to that illustration. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm, if I'm not defined, if I'm not describing their point, um, if I'm being unfair to their position with that illustration, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um, but, but from this quote from 
from uh, Olsen. It seems like that would be a fair... I think it would too because it makes me think of an illustration that Olsen himself has used many times and that is the example of a wealthy benefactor approaching a you know poor homeless man on the street with a check for a million dollars and extending that check to the (laughs) homeless man. That's right. Um, I forgot about that. And yes the homeless man has to reach out and accept the check Mm. but an Armenian would say, well, no, no person would ascribe the receiving of this gift to the person. But again, we have the same issue because we believe that homeless man is lying there dead yeah. and he can't take a check. How does he grab a hold of a check? Yeah. You, you know, and, and that takes us back to total depravity, right? Like you see, exactly, th- this yeah. again points out why I like the order and I like the fact that we start with total depravity, um, no, no ability whatsoever, inability. Um, so, so that's that that's uh, important. Now, um, we've got one more. Uh, what does well, he say? Well, so the, the yeah, the last quote I pulled was oh, just again to yes. go back to something we've talked yes. about uh, again and again with Arminians' perspectives. And I think this is good. You, you, why don't you read? It? I, I think this is really good. Yeah. So, so Olson says the doctrine of irresistible grace uh, without universal salvation, which most Calvinists reject. Right. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> leads to the good and necessary consequence that God is not good and not loving. That is an Arminian's perspective, and that is inherently why an Arminian rejects the doctrine of irresistible grace, because based on their understanding of salvation, based on their understanding of the work of God, they think that it, you know, is not true to God's character. No, no, that if God so chooses to regenerate one human being and not another human being, then they would say that that's not a good and loving God. Right. And and again, like, let let me just focus in here when it comes to irresistible grace. And this is going to come up in the... um, in, in, in the scriptures that we get into here. But when it comes to irresistible grace, we're talking about the work of God in regeneration, mm. in, in bringing a person to life spiritually, right? We start with total depravity, that we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. And when it comes to his irresistible, irresistible grace, that's the work by which the Spirit regenerates us, brings us back to life, makes us born again, and 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 uh, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. so so that's what we're talking about here. Just, just, uh, just so you know, as we go into um, some scriptures, why don't you start with the first one, uh, Jaquel, which I think is a, is a really, really good one. And we got to focus in on one word there. And this also, again, shows how the three persons of the Trinity work together. Yes. And like, I think, at least last week, definitely with unconditional election, Jesus is a great person to go to on this, especially in the Gospel of right. John. We Oh, yeah. We have so much. Well, yeah. I mean, not too long ago, I preached the Gospel of oh, John. Yeah. And it's like, you can't avoid these issues. You need to come down one way or the other. And it seems pretty clear from Jesus in the book of John. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, we're going to start with John 6, 44, yeah. when Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Yeah, so so Jesus says, no one can come to me, there's the son, unless the father who sent me draws. Mm. Now that draw, that's where the spirit comes in. Right. That drawing is that effectual call by which the spirit regenerates us and calls us to, uh, to himself in a way that we will not resist. Now, I like what Piper says about this. Uh, he says, this drawing is the sovereign work of grace without which none of us will be saved from our rebellion against God. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's a good one to bring up because, uh, you know, it should probably uh, address uh, what some will respond to the doctrine of irresistible grace with, namely by saying, oh, but people resist God all the time. Mm. You know, the gospel is preached to them all the time and, and he resists them. Well, 
that's why I think it was important to distinguish between the general call exactly. and the effectual call. Um, but also, uh, like, irresistible grace is not saying that people don't resist God. People resist God all the time. It is saying that people won't resist God when God doesn't want them to resist right. him. We're, t- we're, we're talking about the work of God in salvation. And when, uh, you know, God has ordained for people to resist him all the time. Mm. I mean... Not everyone is elect, unfortunately. Not everyone is being, I shouldn't say unfortunately, and this is God's plan, but not everyone is elect. Not everyone will be saved. People resist God. I mean, look around at society. There's people resisting God left, right, and center. This is saying that when God has ordained to save a person, that person will not resist him because he has determined that they will be saved. Well, and Jesus makes that clear in this verse by that last last phrase. He says, I will raise him up on the last day, thus connecting that the people who who the father draws to Jesus are the people that Jesus will raise up on the last day. These are the elect, those who are saved. Yeah, now if you back up a few chapters in in John's gospel, um, I remember, you know, really hitting on this when I preached on John 3, 1 through 8. Um, but there's a couple verses in there where, uh, you know, J- uh, Jesus is interacting with Nicodemus, uh, a teacher uh, of the Jews that should have known what he was talking about, and, and he didn't. And, and Jesus was basically, you know, talking to him about the fact that you have to be born again. And in John chapter uh, 3, verse 3, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, regenerated, mm. right? Brought brought to life a second time, spiritually. And then he goes on in verse 6 to say, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's, there's that irresistible yeah. grace, being born of the spirit. You were presently spiritually dead, and then you were alive. And right. you couldn't do that for yourself. That was a work of the Spirit. Right. And our man Paul, who we have been yeah. quoting quite a, bu- a bit in these episodes, also makes that clear uh, in, in his letter to Titus. Uh, Titus 3, 4 and 5, which I know are verses that you love very much. Mm-hmm. Um, say, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Right. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration mm-hmm. and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I love that is because you've got he saved us. And then you go, but how? Yeah. And then it says it right now, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, it, it is worth considering um, the issues of faith and repentance, mm-hmm. because I think that also points to the fact that uh, that God is the one doing the saving irresistibly. Because some might say, but I repented of my sins right. i i, I took put, the check i, I grabbed right, the rope i put my faith like i was the instrumental cause in putting my faith in jesus mm-hmm. but then scripture has something else to say about that too because in ephesians 2 8 and 9 it says by grace you have been saved through faith in other words somebody says but i put my faith in christ and you're like yes yes you did mm-hmm. but then paul goes on to say and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god mm-hmm. you know if faith is a gift from god yeah. so he regenerates you and then he grants you faith and repentance, as we see in Second Timothy 2, 24 and 25, where uh, Paul goes on to say, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, uh, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And then he goes on to say, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Now, right. what, what is repentance? Well, repentance is a change of the mind. Yeah. And you didn't even do that. Mm. God granted you a change of the mind. So he regenerates you, which 
precedes faith. Regeneration precedes faith because a dead person can't put his faith in Christ. He regenerates you and then he grants you repentance and faith. It's all of God from the very beginning to the very end. Yeah. And now um, Piper does talk about this in a way that I think is helpful because Arminians will will critique Calvinists here saying, well, you know, that just turns people into robots. Well, like that uh, Olson quote earlier says it it leaves the sinner an object. Right. Um, But Piper, I mean, with his whole ministry, Desiring God, I think really uh, does a good job. Just, I don't have a quote from him, but but talking about how irresistible grace is God changing our desires and changing our will. So he, he, Piper has talked about how how God makes himself irresistibly beautiful to us. Like that's what irresistible grace is talking about. It's not like God kicking, like dragging us kicking and screaming and then, you know, giving us repentance in a way that you know, we're just robots. No, he, he gives us responsibility. Um, but he, he is the one who changes our, our sinful dead hearts and changes our desires. And and I think this, this is why, you know, it seems every week where we come to the issue of application, it kind of comes back to that same application is that when you, when you really look at these doctrines, you know, so far we've covered Thule, T-U-I-L-I, but, but our, our point, our primary point here can be summed up in two words, sovereign grace. Mm. It, it, our desire is to put all of the emphasis on God and none of the emphasis on us. We want no reason for boasting whatsoever. Yeah. We want it all to be all of God. You know, we don't want to see us as the instrumental cause. Sure, we're involved, but the way that we're involved is in our response of mm-hmm. joy and awe at the beauty of God saving us. Yeah. Like these doctrines should result in a, a, a more passionate worship. Mm-hmm. They should result in more love for God, a better understanding of how the three persons of the Trinity work together in concert to, to save a people for his glory. Amen. Yeah. So, um, okay. So do you have anything else to say about application? It, it just, it just always seems to, you know, focus on worship, which is great. And yeah. that, that's really what we want. Well, yeah. And, and my, my one other application is really in a, in a Spurgeon quote that we're going to address, but this, you know, this should give us great hope, yeah. um, in, in terms of loved ones mm. that are not saved. Right. Um, yeah. you know, we, we should be praying, mm-hmm. uh, very consistently, sure. desperately, passionately, because it is the Lord who changes hearts, yeah. not us. But <laughs> God's grace cannot be resisted. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, it's, it's not us up to us. And also it should, yeah, just give us hope for the, the people that we long to be saved. We, we can, we can put that in God's hands. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a super important application. And I mean, obviously I'm, I'm aware of it. It just wasn't on the, on the top of my mind right now, but I really appreciate you bringing that up because like you say, you know, we pray to God to save people because mm-hmm. we believe God is the one who saves them. And then we go and we share the gospel exactly. with them because we believe that he has determined the means by which they are saved. And it is through the hearing of the word of God. Now, without a work of the spirit in their life, they won't respond rightly to it, but with the spirit at work. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. All right. Why don't you hit us with uh, with uh, the Prince of Preachers here? Yes. Okay. So I came across this quote this week and I just, this quote has been encouraging me so much. All right. Spurgeon says, difficulty is not a word to be found in the dictionary of heaven. Nothing can be impossible with God. The swearing reprobate whose mouth is blackened with profanity, whose heart is a very hell and his life like the reeking flames of the bottomless pit, such a man 
if the Lord but looks on him and makes bare his arm of irresistible grace, shall yet praise God and bless his name and live to his honor. That That's the application I just talked about, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And, oh. you know, Spurgeon just has such a way with words. But it, like, isn't that, isn't that the truth? And isn't that encouraging? Mm. And, you know, the person you're thinking of that it's like, no, it's impossible. They, they, mm. they would never be safe. No, no, no. Difficulty is not a word to be found in the dictionary of heaven. Yeah. Or when you think about your own salvation, and, and in particular, the topic we're going to talk about next week, with, which is perseverance of the saints. Mm. You know, sometimes we struggle for assurance and we, and we, yep. and we struggle to, to persevere and, and wonder if God is going to keep us. Well, again, just just remember that difficulty is not a word to be found in the dictionary of heaven. Well, this has been fun, Jaquel. Yep. Um, if, if people want to respond, uh, we would love to hear from you, whether you want to uh, agree or disagree. We're happy to hear from you. We're trying to talk about these subjects in a way that is that is fair to uh, those who disagree with us. Um, but, uh, you know, our desire is to get, get all of us thinking about the doctrine of salvation. Uh, so where can people find us, Jaquel? They can find us on our website, ageofminority.com. They can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. They can find us on Spotify now, where they can leave us a hand right. rating. Us and Joe Rogan, for the time being. <laughs> anyway <laughs> and, uh, and they can also find us on apple itunes where they can leave us an honest five-star rating and review yeah you can be sure we are not removing our <laughs> material from spotify <laughs> i don't think spotify is aware that we exist but we are but, there but if you give us some more ratings <laughs> yeah. maybe you, we can make spotify aware that we exist exactly all right well i'm gonna end us off with actually a scripture let's passage, do it uh, something from the old testament everything we've talked about is new testament i'm gonna talk about a passage from the old testament which is pointing forward and it says this in Ezekiel 36, 26, and, and this is God speaking. He says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. <laughs>